we are looking at two use cases on ai one in p2p where obviously we don't want to pay late but neither do we want to pay early and hence using machine learning to see a pattern on where there is likelihood of paying early and just doing it on one country gives me between 20 to 30 million dollars of cash welcome to the gbs masterminds podcast the one and only platform for global business service leaders to share their experiences of building world class shared service organizations my name is sashi narakari founder and ceo of hyredius and i'll be your host today i'm honored to host natarajan gopalan a gbs leader with 20 plus years of experience in leading global business services and finance operations across companies like unilever philip morris currently natarajan serves as the global head of integrated business services at philip morris international natarajan thank you so much for joining us welcome to the show it's a pleasure to be here thanks shashi natarajan could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career journey well as you said i have served a long time with unilever in fact 20 plus years i can't remember in fact how many years i started way back in india then i served in singapore for a long time 10 years in fact a very difficult place to leave it's it's a very nice place and then i moved to london where i spent almost half a decade all of my stint with unilever in singapore and uh, and in the uk were spent on very transformative tasks and operations uh, in one of them i set up commodity hedging for the first time for unilever dealing in almost 5 billion dollars of commodities in uh, the uk i really worked on the uh, gps for the first time in fact and uh, helped transform the gps operations to make it more customer and consumer centric and very transparent but yes that was a long stint and then i joined philip morris a couple of years ago and it's been an absolutely amazing ride for the last 2 years with them in redefining the vision for gps at philip morris tell us a little bit about your personal side some of your hobbies so i would call out two things i love music I am a classical musician myself uh, a vocalist and I have given concerts and I still do give concerts in fact I do uh, what we call in uh, in Indian word riyas which is practice of classical music every morning for half an hour and that is how I start the day so music is one of my passions and the other passion in fact of late is studying comparative religions and in the last one year thanks to covid I have actually spent a lot of time reading through a lot of these books and and i have formed my own hypothesis on the most important question that we all face right why are we here where are we going and i intend writing a book at some stage on this uh, very fascinating topic exciting looking forward to the book we're going to play a small bit of natarajan's own creation vinayak namo sudev vinayak namo sudev Natarajan, at this point, I'm going to switch into the six million dollar questions that every GBS leader is debating in the world today. Let me start with the first one. The first one is captive center or outsourcing. You have managed 
extremely wide geographies, customer footprints across 30 plus countries. In your view, which model is better for deploying shared services? Thanks, Shashi. This is one of the most important questions that uh, all GBS leaders face. And let me start with the bottom line. I believe in a hybrid model. Why do I believe in that? And by hybrid, I mean a combination of captive and outsourced uh, partners. There are two reasons. I firmly believe that our captive organization should be doing what we are best at doing, which is connecting internally with the business and helping them transform. And we should let our partners do what they do for a living day in and day out. And the beauty of a hybrid ecosystem is you're able to leverage the collective capabilities of multiple partners. And that's how you build a state-of-the-art GBS organization. Absolutely. The next question is harmonize and standardize first or lift and shift first? I think there is a very common debate, as you know, Natarajan, on among shared service leaders, what is the right strategy to transition work? What's your take? Would you rather do lift and shift first or would you rather standardize the process and then lift and shift? Again, it's a, as you say, a million dollar question. And I would say there is no one size fits all approach. And in my view, while the ideal thing is everyone says we have to standardize first and then give it to someone else. I think ultimately it's a trade-off between speed, cost, and focus. Speed therefore means Let's not waste too much time trying to standardize everything. Standardize to a certain extent and then start transforming as you lift and shift. Cost. At a certain point of the standardization curve, you will have more cost trying to do it yourself than letting someone else do it. So again, it favors you doing it as soon as you can. And finally, focus. What do I want to focus on? I would rather bring in a partner and let them worry about the next waves of transformation while I focus on what matters most, which is to help the business transform itself. Very interesting. So it's almost like what is your focus areas of strength and then the rest, you can probably do it in a speedy manner because there are a lot of partners out there who have been there, done that. Indeed. All right. Million dollar question number three is robotic process automation versus foundational platforms. Today, many GBS leaders that I've interacted with struggle with scaling the quantity of RPA bots beyond a certain stage. I kind of always hear this pattern. It's kind of great, but it's kind of hitting a... I'm just curious, how, what, what has been your experience? What is your recommendation on using RPA? And then if you can throw in some light on AI and how you're thinking about AI. Okay, great question. And I would say that digital is probably one of the most used and abused words in, in organizations. And I think... The right trinity to focus on is data, process, and automation. The three have to come together. And by that, I mean, ultimately, you have to redesign or reimagine processes in a way that you embed digital in that process redesign itself. So what I mean by that is don't have a process and then try to force fit an automation into it like a lot of organizations do. And it leads in redundant bots and redundant costs, and that doesn't help anyone. In fact, you put an automation on an inefficient process, you amplify the inefficiencies. You do not get efficiency. Hence, redesign the process with digital in the design thinking upfront. Then you reimagine in a very different way. You would sort of scrap everything that is happening today and say, look, if it was digitally embedded, how would it work? Take a blank sheet of paper and draw it. Data is absolutely important because you need 
harmonized data that can talk end to end in the enterprise. At the moment on AI, again, AI will uh, depend a lot on data harmonization. Otherwise, you know, you operate on inefficient data structures, you get inefficient outcomes. We're looking at two use cases on AI, one in P2P, where obviously we don't want to pay late, but neither do we want to pay early. And hence, using machine learning to see a pattern on where there is likelihood of paying early and just doing it on one country gives me between 20 to $30 million of cash. So huge, huge potential there. Another example is in the financial reporting. The biggest nightmare for any accountant is, do I have a risk in my balance sheet? Any red flag? Now, can you embed machine learning into the transaction posting itself in the general ledger so that you can detect the patterns on where there is a likely risk emerging and then focus only on those transactions rather than trying to boil the ocean. So there are interesting uses of AI. My own belief is you should define the end outcome before you apply AI. AI for the sake of AI is is absolutely uh, not uh, useful at all. Interesting. So yeah, on the RPA front, I think it's the use of terminology called you don't want to just automate as is. Some use cases, it might make sense, but a lot of times to truly bring transformation, you need to go to a new to be state, which might not look like an as is at all. So good thinking in terms of how do you think about RPA and what are the right applications of it. Thanks for that. All right. Next one is cost cutting to revenue driver. What do you think is the future of GBS? One of the things that always comes up is how GBS can be a revenue driver instead of traditional cost-cutting unit. I know that obviously all the GBS leaders want to do both, but in real world also, a lot of GBS units are mostly tasked with labor cost arbitrage, those type of things. What do you think is the evolution? What is more practical to expect? Look, ultimately it depends upon the DNA of the organization. And historically, GBS has always driven cost efficiencies. But increasingly, organizations are shifting their focus. My own personal belief is we have to be revenue focused more and more in the future. Why? Because cost efficiencies from GBS is a no-brainer. It will happen. The industry has evolved so much, you don't need to come and say, hey, I'm going to deliver cost efficiencies to GBS. That is your job. Hence, the real value, and therefore I would say in the case of GBS, don't talk about cost efficiencies, talk about value creation. And value creation has got three legs to it. Cost efficiency is the bottom of the pyramid. I I won't even talk about it. The real pieces that we need to focus on is revenue enablement. And the second is quality of business. How do you make business more and more and more simple and easy to do for the internal customers? That is where the real value is. And hence, in the future GPS, I see three layers. Bottom layer is the Typical GBS scale and standard processes, do it efficiently and so on. Do it in-house or do it uh, through your partners, doesn't matter. The second layer is the co-pilot, where you work with the business to help them transform, to collectively and collaboratively define new outcomes for the business on revenue and so on. And the third layer for me for me, is the most interesting one because it's a layer that no one has imagined yet. And what I mean by that is in five years' time or in three years' time, 30% of the jobs in any industry, and for that matter in GPS, do not exist today. Can you define what those new trends are and start bringing those skill sets in? I was reading recently an HPR article where it says, hire for potential, not for experience, because you need a different mindset uh, for the future. 
Hence, in my own vision at uh, Philip Morris, we are driving a lot of focus around revenue enablement, cost efficiencies being taken for granted. They will and ought to happen. Interesting. All right. Next question is core ERP versus modern SaaS or software software as a service platforms. What is your view, Natarajan, on the trade-off between ERP solutions like SAP, Oracle, almost every company, Fortune 1000 company out there has one, versus the modern niche platforms, Coupa, Blackline, High Radius, there are so many tech companies, AI capabilities and so forth. How do you think about the trade-offs and what bets you want to make? Again, I think on this, I've had a lot of experience, particularly with SAP as uh, an all-in-all platform. They always like to believe that you know they can do everything. But at the end of the day, I think the future of technology is built again on three layers. Layer one is the SAP or Oracle, whatever you choose, and, and you work with that with, with some additional bolt-ons like central finance module and so on. Then the second layer is the kind of solutions that you mentioned about Coupa, Blackline, and all of us are employing many of these uh, platforms. But I see a third layer where you have an ecosystem of apps that are emerging. And that's where you need startups to come in and yeah. start building on your ecosystem. We need to have an open ecosystem where we offer our basic backbone, but then have the ability to build on an ecosystem of apps that can leverage onto the backbone and start doing some innovative stuff, whether it is AI or uh, predictive uh, modeling and, and so on. So I see ultimately a very, it might sound fragmented, but it is not fragmented. I would call it the ecosystem of apps. And at the center, you have the backbone, which could be either an SAP or an Oracle. That's very interesting, Natarajan. So that makes so much sense because I think the bottommost layer being the SAP or Oracle platform. And then there are mature software providers like Hyredius, but I think the startups and top is a very interesting thought for big Fortune 1000 companies because even though they are small, they bring some strong innovation. They're hungry. So if you can figure out a way to plug them, it's an amazing way to extend your innovative innovation ecosystem. So thanks for that. If I could build on that, you know, that's fair. Probably you're going to get your 10x because, you know, yeah. SAP can give you 1.2x and the next layer can give you 2x. But the next level, third layer of apps is that probably you start reimagining different outcomes and start looking at 5x and 10x factor in terms of your business outcomes. Absolutely. All right. Natarajan, on a closing note, what would you like to leave your listeners with some parting advice? I would say three things. I would encourage everyone to set for yourself a very ambitious North Star and keep redefining that North Star every now and then because the world is dynamic. The world around you is changing. So what you thought is North Star a year ago is no longer the North Star. You need to keep that alive. That is what will keep the culture of innovation and bring a sense of discomfort that I need to go there, I'm here. And that is very important. Second is we need a high performing organization. Ultimately, whatever we do at the heart of it is our people. You need diverse people. You need to empower them. You need to have gender diversity. You need to have all kinds of diversity, empower them, increase them to make mistakes. Because I read an interesting anecdote recently on one of the social media platforms. When you use you learn. So don't worry. You learn. And when you win, be humble. Go on to the next one. That should be the mindset of the organization. And finally, have fun. Take life easy. It's not worth getting too stressed about everything. Have fun. And one of the quotes that I really personally love is, do the right thing. 
when faced with the trade off between the pleasant and the right which one will you choose i will choose the right that might be more difficult but it will always eventually get you to the right place very nice advice in fact i'm going to have this borrow from you this evening for my kids have fun in what you do don't take it too stressful thank you for that natrajan this has been a very insightful conversation it was a delight to have you on the gbs masterminds today thank you for joining us on this episode of gbs mastermind for more episodes and information visit gbsmasterminds.com and stay tuned for the next mastermind that was the gbs masterminds podcast for more information visit gbsmasterminds.com and make sure to search for gbs masterminds in apple podcasts google podcasts spotify or anywhere else podcasts are found Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at High Radius, thanks for listening.